All right, if you have your Bibles, turn one more time to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And I thought I was finished with Ecclesiastes, but the Lord had another message in mind, so I'm going to preach it. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. And I'd like to preach on fear and follow. Two keys for 2019 and two keys for your, the rest of your life. And I'm amazed at some of you being here tonight with all this inclement weather. But I want to tell you something. If you lived where Brother Chris Hanks lived, it's now 9 degrees and fallen and it's supposed to be down to 1 degree. So thank God you're in the south and you're not out west where the snow is hitting and the ice is covering everything up. And uh, I'm pro- They're probably still there. Amen. So pray for them in that uh, weather storm they're in. All right, let's stand on the Word of God. Two verses, then we'll finish the book of Ecclesiastes. So glad all the Master Club leaders are in here. Great attendance tonight. And uh, I appreciate you being here so much. And some of you made an extra effort because uh, to some of you it's dangerous for you to drive in this weather. And uh, I appreciate so much uh, you being here. appreciate all my grandchildren being here. Well, not all of them, four of them, as Brother... Uh, Jerry was put back in the hospital, and we're keeping the kids so uh, Stephanie can be with her daddy. So pray for him. We told him today that it's going to be like this until he gets a liver, and I think our church needs to do its part in praying constantly, fervently for that liver. I believe God honors specific prayers, not just vague, God bless Brother Gary, but I believe we'll have to pray and pray with fervency and faithfulness. Keep it, keep it keep it, in the front of your prayer clause if you would. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work unto judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the privilege and honor to reverence you this morning by the good singing and the and the offering, prayer requests, God, uh, Lord, I know you're honored at the at the uh, number of requests for others, and honored that we know that you're the only one that can solve some of these problems, and heal these folks, and save these folks, because you're the only God, and you're a God alone, above all. And so, Lord, we reverence you, we praise you, we thank you, God, uh, for who you are, and what you've done this past year. God, by faith, we believe this is going to be a banner year of trusting you with all our heart. So, Lord, please help us to learn these two quick lessons, God, that will change our lives for the coming year, and that's to fear God and follow you. And we're going to thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In Southern California, there's a name, William Mulholland. You ever heard of him? It's epic. Many uh, Californians don't know why, but William was born in 1855. He lived 80 years, and he is legendary for water. When you mention water in California, you think of William Mulholland. He was one of the earliest men to recognize and envision that Los Angeles might one day become one of the largest cities in the nation. But there was one major problem perverting that growth. There simply wasn't water. There was no water supply in the region to sustain a large population. So Mulholland began to dream and plan, and he dreamed of finding a way to, to bring a large quantity of water 
to Los Angeles Basin, and perhaps millions of people could one day live there, and they do, if you've ever been there. His answer was an aqueduct that the water source uh, was from the high Sierras in central California. What, did was, what he did was legendary. He identified a water source in Owens Valley, 233 miles north of Los Angeles. Then he oversaw the design and construction of a gravity-powered aqueduct that would deliver the water to Los Angeles area. Construction began in 1908, and with 3,900 workers and involved, and involved in digging of 164 tunnels, uh, water from Owens Valley finally reached Los Angeles on November 5, 1913. In a modern feat of engineering brilliance, as opening ceremonies, the water began to flow. Mulholland uh, is famous for this uh, understated word. There it is, take it. The irony of his success story lies in events that took place about 15 years later, though. The applause of Mulholland's legendary achievement faded. At the age of 73 years of age, he was nearing the end of his career, and he was uh, single-handedly responsible for a massive innovation and, and expansion in many ways for the Los Angeles that exists today. And Mulholland was called to the northern eastern canyons of the Los Angeles area, just north of the city of Santa Clara, to inspect the St. Francis Dam. And on March 12, 1928, he and his assistants inspected the dam and declared it totally safe. And just 12 hours later, the dam collapsed, unleashing 12.4 billion gallons of water into the San Francisco Canyon. A 140-foot-high torrent of water exploded from the dam, traveled at 18 miles per hour towards several unsuspecting cities. The raging wall of water wiped out a power plant, taking 64 lives, then proceeded to Santa Clara Riverbed, flooding and destroying the present-day towns of Valencia, New Holland, Castilla Junction, Peru, Fillmore, and Santa Paula. The water finally reached the ocean near Ventura, taking with it many of the dead and, and who would never be, be recovered, the bodies. And recovery crews worked for days to dig out the bodies of the victims from the wide path of mud and damage. And then more than 600 people were killed. And massive damage was sustained by the region. The flood is still considered some of the worst civil engineering disasters of the 20th century. People immediately lashed out and blamed Mulholland, who humbly accepted full responsibility. And here's what I want to get to. And at the inquest into his ordeal, he said, the only ones that I envy about the whole thing are the ones that are dead. Sounds like Solomon, under the sun, vanities of vanities. The jury left, uh, later recommended that uh, William be not held a uh, criminally responsible, but the event, event effectively ended Mulholland's career in heroic status. He resigned a short time later and died in 1935. Mulholland controlled water, but in the end, water controlled him. Water gave smashing success, then water delivered an uncoverable death blow. The very source of William's greatest success became the ultimate source of his greatest disappointment. And I want to say this, friend, no matter what you do, and no matter how much you accomplish, the conclusion of the whole matter is that we need to fear God and we need to keep His commandments. And that it's over the sun is more important than under the sun. And it's what counts is what you do for God's glory. And folks, I want to tell you this. I see an invitation in verse 13 real quick 
uh, on this uh, message. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He invites you to hear the key to life, the key to having a, not just a great year, but a, a great life. And folks, listen, uh, everyone works hard at life. They want to have basic needs met. They want to sustain their family. Uh, they fight past hurts and present sins and future concerns. And their acceptance is so important. If you don't believe that, some people uh, just go bananas if they're not liked five times on Facebook when they put something up. Uh, their long, successful, and happy life is, uh, uh, is sometimes uh, a battle in this competitive culture. And so what he's saying is every person, the conclusion of the whole matter is that we need to fear God rather than fear man and their acceptance and man and their applause. We need to fear God. And so number two, we need to fear God no matter what. We need to fear God no matter what. Terra versus reverence. Uh, I was amazed at Sunday morning's message when I read uh, in Mark about the, the last chapter. It says, fear God. But he rebuked them in the next to last verse when he said, why do you fear? So there's two kinds of fears. There's a fear of failure, and there's a fear of man, and there's the fear of things, and there's fear of storms, and there's fears of darkness. And uh, there's fears of closed-in places, and there's even the fear of death. Uh, yesterday at Miss Shirley's sister's funeral, I thought Brother Cochran just brought a great message of comfort and, uh, and help to the family because he kept mentioning heaven, and he kept mentioning eternity, and he kept mentioning you need to be saved. And I thought, praise God for a preacher to get up there in a funeral service and not just give accolades about the one that died, but lift Jesus Christ up as the way to have eternal life. And I was so, so thankful. But life is filled with maybes and what ifs, and it'll drive you crazy thinking about what if, and maybe, and maybe I should do this, and maybe I should do that. The fear of God is the freedom from the fear of anything else. I want to repeat that. The fear of God is the freedom from uh, the fear of anything else. The life of worship and reverence. He said, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. And half the time, Solomon seemed like a schizophrenic, and Solomon seemed like a depressant to me. Uh, he, was just, he was down in the mouth, vantages of vanities. Uh, my life's not worth living. And folks, he feared things like life and death. And folks, he feared uh, not God like he ought to. And so the fear of God is not bondage. It's freedom from other bondages. The fear of God is safety. The fear of God is security. The fear of God is sweet peace of mind. When we, fear, when we fear, it overcomes fear. The, the bad fear, the selfish fear, the insecure fear. Um, I don't believe we ought to fear, uh, be a fearful, worrying person. I don't, I don't believe we ought to be that way. Some people are trained to be that, and they've caught it from their parents. But I want to tell you something, folks. The fear of God will overcome the fear. We shouldn't go around fearing what people think. Amen? We shouldn't go around fearing, uh, uh, are we going to have a job tomorrow? Now, we can be concerned, but we don't have a, an, an attitude of fear. And I want you to see how the fear of God helped Daniel. Turn to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. And I want you to look at verse 16 and 17. Let me give you the background of Daniel chapter 10. He's just seen the apocalypse. He's just seen the revelation. 
he's just seen the latter days, and he, he, he admits, he says, what I have seen and witnessed, um, I, I understand that this is the future. And uh, it, 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 it blew his mind, and it killed his peace, and he was totally depressed over it to the point that he couldn't breathe. And look what happened in verse chapter 10 of Daniel. Y'all there yet? Hey, just give up and find the table of contents. Amen. That's the hardest book in the world to find, but you can find it. Amen. But look at verse 16. It says, and behold, uh, let's go back to 15. And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face towards the ground and I became dumb. And so here it is. He sees all this vision of the future and he's breathless. He's depressed. He's fearful. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's overcoming. And then look at verse 16. And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips. He couldn't speak, and then God came on the scene. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ came on the scene and touched his lips and was saying, hey, you can speak, and you can share what's going on in your heart. Look at this. Then I opened my mouth and I spake with permission. And I said unto him that stood before me, O oh, my Lord, by the vision, my sorrows are turned upon me. He says, I can't handle this. First time I read the book of Revelation, I said, I can't handle this. I was lost. I was a lost junior boy. And, and if you're not saved, you can't handle the Revelation because that's what you're going to go through if you don't get saved. But he said, the, 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 the vision sorried me. I was full of fear. He said unto him, he stood before me, Oh, my Lord, my vision, my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained no strength. This left him lifeless. You ever been so depressed you were lifeless? Hey, have you ever been so fearful you couldn't move? Come on, say amen. You know, when that person broke in your house and you were sitting there in the dark, you couldn't move? Amen? You forgot where you hid your gun or whatever? Okay, you never have forgot that, have you? Amen? I knew I'd get a re reaction out of Fox trot back there. But anyway, look at, look at verse 17. It says, For how can the servants of this my Lord talk with this my Lord? For as for me, straightway there remain no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. Folks, I want to tell you something. The Lord came to him and said, Fear me, don't fear that. Folks, Daniel was speechless and he, and he saw something indescribably bad and that's the future for all that are lost and left on this earth during the tribulation. And so Daniel's moment of anxious terror was transformed when he saw him and when he spoke to him. And folks, Daniel moved from terror to tranquility, if you'll read the next chapter. And listen, I'll tell you something. Daniel was so fearful, he was struggling to breathe. And folks, Daniel's terror was overcome by Daniel's worship. If you're fearful, you need to worship more. You doubt your salvation, you need to worship more. You need to praise Him every day for your salvation. Amen? And folks, over and over, God says to His own, fear not, and then He says, fear me. He says, fear not. That's not fear not me, but then He said, fear me. So there's two different kinds of fear. Lesser fear uh, is undone by the greater fear. Terror is overcome by reverence. Now, I, want, I want you to get what fear of God is. The fear of the Lord is the continual awareness that I am in the presence of a holy and almighty God and that every thought, every word, every action, every deed is open before Him and is being judged by Him. 
And in that definition, it seems like we ought to be afraid to, to mess up, and I'm sure that is. But also, we ought to realize that He's always with us, and He is God, and He is God alone. That's why good, worshipful music will help you over your depression. It did David, and it'll do you uh, that way. Folks, I, uh, tur- turn to a verse that I think is great about Abraham. Genesis 15.1. Genesis 15.1. I want to make a point about this greater fear over lesser fear. Uh, the fear of God overcoming the fears of life. Genesis chapter 15, and I want you to look at verse 1, please. Genesis 15.1. So glad the Lord let me preach one more message on this because my favorite subject is preach, preaching on the fear of God. If I had one message to preach to you, one last message to preach to you, it would be this, fear God, fear God. Look at 15.1, Genesis. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Ab- Abram in a vision, and he's saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield, and I am the exceeding great reward. Now, folks, what was he saying? I am thy shield. God is saying, I'm greater than your problem. I'm greater than your sin. I'm greater than the devil. I'm greater than all your anxiety. I'm greater than all what you're worrying about, which is lesser lords. You're letting them dominate your life and and ruin your life, so to speak. And he said, listen, don't be threatened by the little fears. I'm the shield. And then he says, I'm exceeding great reward. You know what that means? He'll fulfill every dream and desire that your heart has that's in the will of God. And you're safe. You're not just safe to hold the fort, but to take new ground and to take back what the devil's stolen. And he steals sanity and he steals joy and he steals uh, happiness. And folks, a lot of people try to have happy New Year's by resolution. I want to tell you something. You'll keep your resolution about two weeks. Amen. I used to every year resolve that I was going to give up something. It wasn't smoking. It wasn't drinking. It was butter. I love butter. I like a little potato with my butter. I like a little bread with my butter. You ever been over Logan's uh, restaurant, and they got these hot rolls, and then they bring that butter, and, and it has a little old cup like that. I said, bring me two more. And I'll just drown those rolls, best rolls in town. Not making a commercial for them. And, and, man, I love that butter. I don't know what it is about that butter. And, folks, uh, one year I gave it up for two weeks. That's a happy new year resolution. Folks, resolution's not going to get the job done. What you need to do is resolve that God is Lord of your life and that, folks, the lesser Lord should not dominate your life with fear. The fear of Him is freedom from the fear of anything else. The fear of God is freedom from the fear of anything else. Number three. Uh, the fear of God's good, reverential, reverential worship. Um, it's submission to His Lordship. It's full resolution of liberation from the kind of fear like terror and anxiety and worry. You ever met? You ever been around a person that worries all the time? I mean, they don't have any energy because they're always worrying about the past. They're always worrying about what they said or what they didn't say. And folks, listen, they're just, they're just, they're, they're, wear, they're wearing themselves out worrying. We're guilty of fearing lesser lords. Bad fear pulls you apart. That's where the word worry comes from, pull apart, pulled in two directions. Godly fear holds you together. Reverential fear holds you together. Bad fear weakens you. 
Godly fear strengthens you. Bad fear fills you with anxiety and distress. But godly uh, fear fills you with hope and grace. Bad fear crushes you into despair. But godly fear uh, puts you together with courage. Bad fear paralyzes you with panic, being pitiful, and being depressed. But godly fear puts you at peace and at rest. Turn to 1 John 4, 18. 1 John 4, 18. Right before Revelation. 1 John 4, y'all know where we're at. 1 John, and this, this is a Wednesday night crowd. Y'all know everything. But look at this, 1 John 4, 18. The Bible says this, there is no fear in love. Amen. No fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath what? Torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So what's this verse saying? It says God's perfect love is a place of no torment. When you are terrified by something, you're reverencing that power, that fear, that obstacles, that devil over you and your vulnerable spirit. And so when you're reverencing God, and folks, you can't handle all this stuff on your own. You will be a nervous wreck trying to live the Christian life if you just are determined this year to not be fearful. So when you're reverencing God, you're respecting. But you're not only respecting, you're submitting to His power and to His love in your life. So God loves you with a perfect love. And I will tell you this, friend. He's a father that can take care of you. That's where our faith begins, is that we're saved by grace, we're sustained by grace, and we'll arrive to heaven by grace. And all these people think you can lose your salvation, low rates God and low rates Calvary. Uh, for instance, if a child dreads his father, that is clearly un, that's clearly unhealthy if you dread your father. Uh, it indicates the wrong kind of fear. You fear being around him. You fear he's going to whip you all the time. But if a child reveres his father and honors his authority and his love for him, then he clearly has a healthy and safe kind of fear. So there's a difference in <clears throat> bad fear, worldly fear, and godly fear. <clears throat> godly fear is like this. I respect my daddy and he's going to take care of me, your child. I respect my parents. I respect my mama. I respect her power. I respect her wisdom. I respect my daddy's care. I know he wouldn't leave me. And that's so bad today that half of our society is living in a single parent home because daddy walks out and he won't even pay child support. Sorry, thief. And I want to say this, friend. Uh, God help us. When Solomon's calling you to fear God as the conclusion of the whole matter, he's saying this. <clears throat> God will give you grace. Grace, <coughs> grace, <coughs> excuse me, over the little fear, over the fear of tomorrow, over the fear of future, over the fear of your job, the fear of, of life. Some people are just scared, scared to death of life, and they're scared to death of death, and they're scared to death of failure, and they're scared to death of not being accepted. They can't even go out in public. They're so fearful. But I want to tell you something, friend. Number Four, it's all because of Jesus that we can have the fear of God. Look at John chapter 3, verse 36. John 3, 36. 
Happy New Year. You'll not have Happy New Year until you get the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. John 3.36 talks about the fear of God in a special way. Because you would dread God and His judgment if it wasn't for this person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But listen to this now. But the wrath of God abideth on him. See, if it wasn't for Jesus taking the righteous wrath of God upon him at Calvary, you would dread, you would dread God. You'd be, a, you'd be afraid of judgment. The only way to move from terror to reverence is to know that you're accepted in the Beloved and that you're saved by the grace of God, Jesus Christ. And folks, only Jesus can make you acceptable. And so your life should be full of reverence. And it ought to be the conclusion of the whole matter. And it ought to be, praise God, it ought to be uh, your lifestyle. It ought to be your heartbeat. It ought to be your motive for getting up. It ought to be, it ought to be your uh, uh, goal and aim of life. It ought to be your ambition. It ought to be your vision. It ought to be your desire. It ought to be, it ought to be the, uh, the, the, the main part of your life is that God has called you to reverence Him. Reverence Him. Uh, revering God leads to trusting God, which leads to following and obeying God. And when you struggle to obey, you're struggling to fear and and, and, and you're fearing something that isn't worthy of your fear. That's things and people and the devil. The only one that's worthy to be feared and respected is God. Now, nextly, uh, Brother Joel, the, uh, you know, we need to follow God. And, and this is a very simple point, number five, is that, folks, the, it says, and follow God. Fear God and follow Him. Follow Him. Um, that means you ought to obey Him. If you fear God and respect God, you're not going to think that His commandments are grievous, but they are best for you. See, a person that loves their daddy, their father, and knows he always has loved them and been there for them and has wisdom and knowledge and compassion, when he says do something, you know it's best. You know it's for your good. It's the good of the household. It's good for the family. So we need to follow God no matter what, no matter how we feel. And so the conclusion of the whole matter is we ought to fear God, we ought to fear God, and we ought to not only fear God, but we ought to keep His commandments. But this is the whole duty of man. The whole duty of man. Look at Psalms 112 and verse 1. We'll try to wrap this up. Psalms 112, and I want you to look at verse 1. Boy, I'm so glad you're here today, tonight. I didn't think this many people would show up. It's a real encouragement. Psalms 112, 1 says, Praise you, Lord. Bless his, bless, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. You fear God, you know who he is, and he's God. And so there's no restraint on your life when he says you ought to be faithful, that you ought to worship. There's no restraint about coming to church. You want to be in church. You want to be in church more than you're in church. 
you want to read your Bible. I know it's a hard discipline, but folks, the, the, the trust problem is an indicator that you've got a fear problem. You're fearing a lesser Lord, and you're fearing uh, that, you'll, uh, that you'll miss something out in, in life if you give up this and do this. And you reverence God leads to trusting God, which leads to following God, which leads to obeying God. And when you're struggling to obey, you're struggling to fear God. Fear God means reverence God, knowing that He knows best. Amen? And then uh, let me say, uh, uh, sixthly, we see the uh, fruit of fearing God. Uh, it's a good path of life. It's the best way of life. Uh, God commands are good and His heart is gracious. Fearing Him and following Him is always a journey without bondage and is in freedom. And it's a form, not a form of despair, but of, of uh, fulfillment. Number one, the fruit of the fearing God, and you'll probably have to push the buttons on this, uh, is wisdom. Wisdom. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom. You might want to write these references down. Proverbs 9.10 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of holy is understanding. You know, some people are so smart, they don't think they need to come to church. They're so smart, they don't think they need to worship. And they're so smart, they think there is no God. I want to tell you something, they're not smart. And they might have some education, but they're not wise. Wisdom is seeing this world through God's eyes. But wisdom is seeing God. Just seeing God in everything. In creation, yes, it's easy to see God. In your life, think about Think about your life. Uh, think about the health and strength. Uh, God has really been working on me lately about uh, taking for granted. I was talking to Brother Cochran right before the message, and he said he's uh, never been sick one Sunday in his 37 years of pastor that he can recall. And I said, you know, I don't think I have either, but it's coming. It's coming. And I guarantee you tonight, if um, Brother Gary's thinking straight, you know what he's longing to be, where he's longing to be? In his church, preaching the, the, the Word of God. Leading, singing, playing the piano, he does it all. Um, he's longing to be there because that's his calling. And it's heartbroken that he can't be there. And folks, I want to tell you something. We ought not take God for granted. And wisdom is knowing that every breath and every ounce of strength and every thought is a blessing from God. And I believe the God that blesses us gets tired of people letting blessings become before Him. People have health, they go out and hike on Sunday. People have health and they go work on Sunday. People have money and they don't have time for God. Who do you think gave you that money? And Who do who you think gave you that strength? And I want to tell you something, you ought to honor God with the first fruit of your energy, the first fruit of your mind, the first fruit of, of your eyesight, your, your health and strength. Folks, wisdom is realizing where the blessings come from. And we, folks, we're not, made, we're not self-made. We, we, we didn't pull ourselves up by our proverbial bootstraps. We didn't get here because we were so determined and so smart. We got here because of the grace of God, if we're here. Some of us ain't here yet. I'm not here either. I mean, I haven't arrived, and you hadn't either. That's pride. Humility is worshiping God, fearing God. Hey, listen, uh, what's the next verse up there? I can't even see it. Proverbs 15, 33. 
the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. You know what that's saying? I need God. And we need God to be the focus in this service, amen? We don't need a worship team. We don't need a rock and roll band. We don't need smoke coming up from the ceiling. We don't need strobe lights. What we need is a greater vision of God. I think it's irreverent the way some people worship. You say, you're judging. No, I'm fruit inspecting. I'll tell you, those characters get more celebrity status than God gets. We don't need another TV broadcast where the guy's making millions of dollars because people are buying prayer cloths. We need God, clef old dollar. Amen. We need God more than we need fake healers. We need God to be the healer. We need God to be the preacher. We need God to be uh, majestic in his, as we honor him. And I think there's a lot of dishonoring going on today in the way people worship. Because it's a show. It's a club. Folks, this is a place where we see God and it breaks us. And we get, we get uh, under Holy Ghost conviction because the more we see Him high and lifted up, we're like Isaiah saying, woe is me, not, hey, woe, look at me. Look how talented I am. Look what a great preacher I am. Look what a great musician I am. No, that's not the, that's not the deal. The deal is, if it wasn't for God, these characters couldn't get out of bed without Him. They couldn't take one step. They wouldn't have one thought. And I believe we ought to humbly bow before him. That's why I think it's good to have an altar call once in a while. If you've got so much blooming pride you can't ever come to the altar, you're full of yourself. You're full of pride. And folks, I want to tell you something. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And I want to tell you something. You can bow now or bow later. You better bow now. And don't ever be so prideful that you can't cry in the service. Don't be ever prideful that you can't raise a hand in adoration. Don't ever be so prideful that you can't come to this altar and have an altar prayer. I'm not saying it's outward show. I'm talking about it's brokenness before God. Wisdom is knowing you can't make it without God. Then number two, what is uh, 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 the, the, the fruit of fearing God? It's holiness. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7. Proverbs 3, verse 7. The Bible says, Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Depart from evil. Folks, I want to tell you something. If you know God's watching, you're not going to do things in the dark when you think God can't see you. You're not going to do things when you're out of sight of your parents or your teacher. That's the fear of man. It's wicked. You're going to know God knows where you're at and God knows what you're doing. God knows. God knows. And folks, that's an awesome thought. God knows. And He's not a cruel tyrant. He's your loving Father that's grieved when you don't reverence Him. i got to hurry. But I want to tell you something, friend. Number, number uh, two, three, the fruit of the fear in God is it prolongs life. Look at Proverbs 10, verse 27. Proverbs 10, verse 27, please. Boy, we need this message. I need this message. I don't want to ever take God for granted. 
I won't ever take this privilege again. One day it'll be over. One day it'll be over for you. You'll have to give account of how you worship God. If you talk, date, and uh, play hang the man, or uh, have your mind wander, you know, a lot of us are ADD, DHD, uh, psychopaths. We just, you know, we can't keep our mind on one thing. Some people sleep through a service and think that's enthusiastic worship. God help us. Hey, listen, there ought to be one thing you ought to get enthusiastic about, and that's God. And that's His presence. And I believe it ought to show. I don't think you ought to show off. I hate that stuff. I'm talking about just to show that you worship God with all your being, with all your heart. The fear of the Lord prolongeth what? Days. But the years of the wicked shall be shortened. There is a sentence of this. And folks, I want to tell you something. There's a lot of things that can happen on the road to life. But the fear of the Lord, you're more likely to live a good old age than those who live for the flesh and the lust. I heard they busted some guy here at Dugout Road in Walden Avenue with $190,000 worth of meth in his car, in a box. Folks, you know how many lives that ruined? He's driving down Walden Avenue just like you are. Probably so high, he don't even know which lane he's in. And folks, I want to tell you something. That guy's life's going to shorten, be shortened, and so is yours if you ride with him. Amen? But folks, you ought to live for God. It produces, number four, a sense of, uh, of security. Security. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26. We've got to get a new projector so I can see that back screen. Amen? Uh, the fear of the Lord is strong. Listen, folks, it's strong. Um, what else does it say? It's strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. Don't ever, don't ever resent your mama dragging you to church on Wednesday night. Don't you ever make fun of your grandmama. Last night, yesterday at the funeral, I saw all of Miss Shirley's grandchildren flanking her on both sides and her daughter and son. And it was just a wonderful picture of, of them comforting their mama. Well, I'm going to tell you the reason they were comforting their mama because their mama's been a real comfort to them. And if it wasn't for their mama, probably none of them would be alive today. And they would, I know they wouldn't be in church. And I want to tell you something, friend. You ought to thank God for mamas and daddies that make your home a place of refuge and folks it says the refuge is that you acknowledge and submit and honor and just fear the Lord strong confidence you want to have strong confident children hey just teach them to, to fear God number five real quick we're going to be out here in ten minutes <clears throat> the fruit of fearing God <clears throat> summed up Proverbs 14, 27. <coughs> How many's got sinus problems? Raise your hand. We'll have a healing service right after the service. Come on down. Thank you. The fear of the Lord is what? Fountain of life. To depart from the snares 
of death. You know what a snare is? It's a trap. It breaks my heart. Some people raising this church are out in open, blatant sin right now. Their life's going to be short. Mark it down. They're not going to live long. They keep this drugging. They keep this uh, whore hopping. They keep this uh, stuff going on. They're going to they're die prematurely. Whether it's an accident or a, or a disease or a tragedy or a murder or a shooting, folks, I'm telling you, sin shortens and short, shortens everything. Messes everything up. But the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. And so, friend, don't you ever apologize to your children that you respect God. Because it's, it's, it's lengthening their life. And by the way, you can have a long life and miss it all. And it says, depart from the snares of the devil. The snares of death. And then number six. Number six, it's just satisfaction and safety. Satisfaction and safety. Folks, it brings life, but it brings satisfaction. Proverbs 19, verse 23, The fear of the Lord tendeth to life. And he that hath shall abide. What's the next word? Proverbs 19, 23. Am I going too fast? Satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. So you're not going to go out searching for a high that's artificial. You're not going to go out and do something ignorant. I can't say the word because my grandchildren listen. I mean real with a capital S, ignorant. When you fear God, because I'm going to tell you something, I've seen people do a lot of dumb, tragic things for attention and for acceptance and because of a dare. Have you seen it? I mean, people have done the craziest, most suicidal things in the world just on a dare, just to be accepted, just to be popular. And folks, that shouldn't be. What they ought to realize is that God gives life and God gives satisfaction. He shall not visit with evil. What a promise. What a promise. Look at, look at one more verse, Proverbs 22, verse 4. I know you've heard it a hundred times, especially on Baby Dedication Day, and, but I want to give it to you one more time. Proverbs 22.4, by humility and the fear of the Lord are what? Riches and honor and life. Life. It just brings blessings. It brings freedom. It brings serenity and soundness of mind I go visit up in the jail no reference to anybody sitting here or have sit here and I thought to myself are you happy now you had every chance in the world you had every friend in the world you had every job in the world we taught you to drive we gave you a driver's license we, we bought you a car And they're, they're so depressed, they, they stay up all night and sleep all day, and they wake up in a cage like an animal. Is that life? Is that satisfaction? No, it's a total waste. And it's all because of selfish sin and not fearing God. I've never tried to get anybody to fear me. 
much. But I sure have tried to get people to fear God. And that means respect God and reverence Him. That's why I say, son, when you come in this church, look a little different. When you come in this church, listen a little different. You're not in a movie house. And we're not playing games. This is the worship of the living God. And if they take that for granted, and some of them have, and they don't come regular, and they quit church, and they do other things on Sunday, and I'm going to say this, friend, they will find themselves in a cold cell one day. It might not be the jail down here, Brother Larry, but it'll be a lonely place where the children have left them, the wife has left them, and they have nothing but depression. That's not God's plan. God's plan. Back in our text, we close the book of Ecclesiastes. It says, for this is the whole duty of man. You know what that's saying? This is the essence of life. Fear God and keep His commandments, the essence of life. The reason you're alive is why you were created for His glory. Your loving Lord smiles. Get this picture now. I like to preach a little in parables and pictures because it helps you understand and helps me understand. It's like the loving Lord wants you to be happy. And he smiles at you. And he holds out his gracious hand and says, Okay, this year, will you trust me? And you say, Yes, Lord. Well, then don't doubt me and follow me. Let's go. We're going to enjoy this trip. Now, I know God doesn't say that unless you've got the NI funny Bible. NIV or whatever. But I want to say this, friend. I believe God, when he said, hey, it's the essence of life, he's holding out his hand to you. and saying, you can search with all the trinkets you want to, and you can try to make all the money you want to, and you can do all the flings you want to, and you can be the most popular drug head in high school if you want to, and you can be the most disruptive student, and you can do all this, and you can be cute, and you can be a punk if you want to, but I want to tell you something. If you'll just trust me and hold my hand, I'll make you somebody. I'll make you what you was intended to be, a God-glorifying vessel of honor and respect. Any punk can be disrespectful to their parents. Any rebellious child can go off and leave the church and leave his family and leave his daddy's standards and leave his mother's heart in brokenness. I'll tell you what, it takes a man of God and a lady of God to fear in the light of verse 13, 14, that God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be bad, because one day we're going to stand before Him. And we're going to give account of how much we feared and followed God. Father, thank you for Ecclesiastes. Thank you, dear God, for this pungent closing to these 12 chapters, the bottom line, the essence of life, the conclusion of the whole matter, to fear you, to respect you, to reverence you and the things of God, and to obey you. It's a whole duty, but it's our whole privilege. We pray in Jesus' name that you'd help our life be one fulfill this commandment.
Spirit. This exhortation, this challenge, this warning of what life's all about.